0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Welcome to this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, another busy day on Capitol Hill as several high-profile oversight hearings took place simultaneously on the House side. The House Judiciary Committee pressed Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas on his department's dismal performance.
2: On your watch, the data is pretty clear. We've had record levels of illegal immigration, a rapid decline in deportations, skyrocketing fentanyl deaths across our country. And the Secret Service, which is a DHS component, can't determine who left cocaine at the White House.
1: That was Louisiana Congressman Mike Johnson. We'll get a readout on the hearing from committee member Harriet Hageman, Congresswoman from Wyoming. Another of President Biden's lieutenants was also in the hot seat. Secretary of Health and Human Service Javier Becerra was pressed by the House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee for Oversight Investigations on where and how lost unaccompanied migrant children are in the country.
3: Thanks to the whistleblower and the New York Times reporting, we know that there was,
0: a, there was constant
3: neglect when handling the intake and release
0: of these children.
1: That was Subcommittee Chairman Morgan Griffith. We'll get a report from Tennessee Congresswoman Diana Harshbarger. We'll also get more on the border from Arizona Congressman Eli Crane, a member of the Homeland Security Committee. And Congressman Crane is also uh, pressing the Biden administration on the deteriorating conditions in India for Christians. And now the Biden administration, well, they're just turning a blind eye. Also on Monday, we heard from the Virginia Secretary of Education about the model policies put forth by Governor Glenn Youngkin to protect children and the rights of parents. Well, Virginia is not the only state with conservative leaders working hard to right what the left did wrong.
4: When it comes to our schools, do we want the radical ideology into our classroom that pushes gender theory, that pushes graphic pornography in order to perform a social experiment on our kids, or? Do we want the U.S. Constitution? Do we want documents like the Federalist Papers and the Bible, so that our kids understand our history and how our government was put together?
1: That was Oklahoma State School Superintendent Ryan Walters. Now, as you can imagine, the left has come unglued. Well, Superintendent Walters joins us later here on Washington Watch. Our word for today comes from Luke chapter 20. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he, being Jesus, perceived their craftiness and said to them, Why do you test me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. What Jesus reveals here is profound. Caesar's authority is limited to temporal things that bear the image of man. But those things that bear God's image are his alone, including mankind. As civil leaders encroach upon what belongs to God, what are we to do? Well, we're to return to government that which rightfully belongs to it, but we must yield to God that which is God's. And when the two are in conflict, it is the greater to whom our allegiance belongs. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org. Well, it's been 77 days since House Republicans passed the Secure the Border Act which would restart construction of the southern border wall, increase the number of Border Patrol agents, and strengthen current laws to protect children from human trafficking. While Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer stalls any Senate action on this bill, chaos at the border continues. Secretary of Homeland Security Mayorkas appeared on Capitol Hill today, testifying before the House Judiciary Committee to defend the Biden administration's record on the border. Uh, Tough job. But this testimony comes amidst a growing chorus from many House Republicans for impeachment of the embattled DHS secretary. Joining me now to discuss this and much more, Congresswoman Harriet Hageman. She serves on the House Judiciary Committee and the House Committee on Natural Resources. She represents Wyoming's at-large congressional district. Congresswoman, welcome back to the program. Always great to see you.
5: Thank you, Tony. It's wonderful to be with you today.
1: So Secretary Mayorkas appeared before the House Judiciary Committee today and claimed that the Biden administration's approach to the border is working. Your reaction?
5: He lied. And he lied throughout his testimony today. That was one of the things that I think if, if folks go and watch the uh, the, the hearing and his testimony, there was an enormous amount of frustration because all he did was dance and deflect and avoid and ignore and try to run out the clock for anyone who was actually attempting to hold him accountable or ask him legitimate questions. It was very frustrating for the Republicans, for anyone who wants to understand what the Department of Homeland uh, uh, Services is doing, what they're doing to protect our borders, to enforce our our, uh, immigration laws, and to address the incredible human trafficking that we're seeing, the flooding of our country with, with dangerous drugs such as fentanyl. Uh, You could tell, and I sat there for several hours quite close to him since I'm the one who faces him directly or faces the witnesses, and what you can see is that every single response he gave was not to enlighten us, not to educate us, not to educate the American people, not to be held accountable, not to actually describe what was going on, but was to avoid reality and attempt to run out the clock.
1: Yeah, I watched uh, a good portion of uh, the hearing. In fact, I I do see your position right there on the front row, uh, right across from the witness, uh, where the witnesses are seated. There was a lot of focus on, on the drugs, fentanyl, because it's a huge problem all across the country. But it was a wide range of topics that were addressed today. And, and one of the topics that uh, was addressed actually came up in your questioning, and that was uh-huh. the, the Targeted Violence in Terrorism Grant Program. This is about $40 million that comes from the Department of Homeland Security to organizations supposedly to address the issue of uh, terrorism, domestic terrorism. But as you pointed out, this money is being used to target conservatives. Tell us about that.
5: Uh, the the money is being used to target conservatives and Christians. So what is happening is is we're getting into this doublespeak in this 1984-esque situation because the the terminology that is used always sounds so benign or actually positive. And what's ended up happening and what we've been uncovering over the last seven months is what I would refer to as the censorship industrial complex. And under the Biden administration and Mayorkas and the FBI and the DOJ, they have, they have intended to target conservatives, Republicans, Christians, uh, parents who are concerned about what their children are learning in school, what they're being exposed to. They are attempting to identify them as domestic violent extremists. So they're categorizing people with whom they disagree on policy as somebody that they can then go after and use the full weight of the federal government to, to, to punish them, to marginalize them, to stop them from speaking, to take away their First Amendment rights. And that's what I focused on with Mayorkas. His agency and he was referred to specifically by the judge in the decision issued by the, the district court out of Louisiana on July 4th. Of what his agency has been doing to attempt to suppress the speech of people that the Biden administration disagrees with. This is an incredibly important First Amendment issue, and it's why I focused on it's why I focused on it with him. But yes, what it is is there's a university that is is explaining and training people how to prevent conservatives and Christians from being able to communicate. And so what they're doing is they're lumping Fox News and the Heritage Foundation and a variety of other uh, organizations. They're lumping them together with Nazis and right. with terrorists. And that way they can marginalize people and make it so that they can't, can't actually engage in the public square.
1: And, and we know where that leads because we saw the Southern Poverty Law Center. We were one of the first to, uh, to make their list of uh, their hate list. And and it led to a gunman coming into our building. So it's it is in shooting one of our people. It's the marginalization so that then people feel free to attack. And this is connected with Antifa. This is connected with the violence of the left. But but you're bringing up something very important, Congresswoman Hegeman, that I that I want people to hear is that. You know, we hear about uh, parents being labeled domestic terrorists. We find out that the Biden administration worked with the National School Boards Association to get this, this uh, letter to the White House to ask for help. And then we, we, we see uh, other examples of this where we see an FBI uh, memo coming out of Virginia that is connecting Catholic people of Catholic faith with uh, extremism. And, and so we just get these little bits and pieces here and there every now and then one of them pops up but these are all interconnected and I think that's what you're saying this case out of the Fifth Circuit in Louisiana which the Attorney General of Missouri and Louisiana are pressing forward shows that underneath the surface all of these are connected and Homeland Security is right there in the center.
5: Well they absolutely are and in the lead in or the introduction to your program today you were talking about what they're attempting to do in Australia. Australia does not have a a comparable law or constitutional provision to what we have in the First Amendment. But I can assure you that what our leaders in the current administration are attempting to do is exactly the same thing. What they're trying to do is they're trying to to give all of the power to government, for government to define what is misinformation, what is disinformation, what is malinformation. But what we've been through with COVID-19, as an example, Uh, all of the nonsense surrounding the the claims and the hysteria associated with so-called global warming. What you do when you empower the government to be the the body or the entity that gets to determine what's misinformation is disinformation, is, is you give them the power to suppress people's ability to communicate and actually debate the issues of the day. If there's anything that COVID-19 has taught us, it's that we cannot trust the government to determine what is misinformation or disinformation or malinformation, which is a new word that they created, that even the federal agencies have said, malinformation is information that may be true, but it's troubling or troublesome. Well, that is a dystopian world that we would be living in if we allow the government to have the kind of power where they can say, Harriet Hageman, we disagree with what you say, and despite the First Amendment, because we have defined what you say as misinformation, we're going to block you from being able to say it. You want to talk about giving a totalitarian regime all the power that they need. That's the way that you do it, and that's why I said that I I actually thanked Mayorkas today, and I thanked him for being the epitome of the exact tyrant that our forefathers recognized would go into government to attempt to take away our rights. And it is for that reason that they drafted and put in place the very first amendment to protect our freedom of speech, our freedom of association, our freedom to to worship, our freedom of religion, the freedom of the press, uh, the free exercise clause. They did it because they knew that people would always be trying to take our rights away. And so by having those constitutional amendments, as the judge held in the in the district court in Louisiana, the government cannot do what they've been doing, including the Department of Homeland Security and Mayorkas. And they don't get to label us just so that they can suppress our speech.
1: I, I think you would agree we're at a tipping point in, in our country and these freedoms that are protected under the law, they have to be used if we're to protect them going forward.
5: There's no question about that. And the point that so many courts have said throughout history is the answer to troublesome speech or the answer even to disinformation is more speech. It's not Mm -hmm. suppression. But one of the things that the courts have been absolutely unanimous about is that the last entity or the last organization you want to give the power to, to define what is misinformation is government. Whether it's a state government, a federal government, because they're the ones through, we've seen it, you read the book Franz Kafka's The Trial, you read 1984, you read Animal Farm, throughout history we know what happens when government takes control of speech and dictates what we can discuss because then they dictate what you can think. And at That's that right. point you are, we're, we're right back uh, in the former Soviet Republic, we're, we're in the communist China.
1: Yeah, Congresswoman Hageman, always great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us, and thank you for uh, fighting harder in Capitol Hill. Thank you. All right, folks, stick with us. We're back with more Washington Watch on the other side of this break.
0: Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous.
1: back to Washington Watch. I'm your host Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website TonyPerkins.com. All right, check it out. Lots of resources there for you. All right, the uh, Oklahoma State School Superintendent, Ryan Walters, says, uh, well, he's got the left all worked up. He said, uh, you know, kids would be a lot better off if they just read the Bible than being indoctrinated with all the garbage that the left has been pushing into our schools. Well, the ACLU and freedom from religion and all of the uh, the left leaning groups didn't like that. Well, joining us now to talk about this is Oklahoma State School Superintendent Ryan Walters. Superintendent Walters, welcome to Washington Watch.
4: Well, really appreciate you having me on. And, you know, there's nothing the left hates more than this nation's history and truth. So, yeah, they're they're all kind of fired up that we actually want to make sure our kids know America's history and the role that faith played um, in the creation of this country.
1: Well, Superintendent, I don't know if this is good for you or not, but I will say full disclosure: I'm a product of the Oklahoma Public Schools. I grew up in Oklahoma, went to went to high school there. But let me uh, let me jump into this. You need um, to
4: advertise that. <laughs>
1: Well, let me tell you what, Uh, it's where I got my conservative values and that's why I've taken them nationally. One of the reddest states in the country, Oklahoma, very proud of uh, my association with Oklahoma. So let me, let me jump right into this because the, the Bible has a long history in our public schools. In fact, one of the, the first laws in our country was the old Satan Deluder Act, which was passed back in 1647 in Massachusetts to, um, essentially make sure kids knew the Bible. In fact, it required cities of more than 50 people to have schools to teach the Bible because the need for biblical literacy. And that's been catching on. In fact, I did it in the legislature in Louisiana. got the Bible as literature into the schools. You really can't understand American history without having some working concept of the Bible.
4: That's a thousand percent correct. My background is I was a U.S. history teacher before I took on this role of state superintendent. And the reality is, how in the world do you teach kids about the inalienable rights given to them by their creator? How do you talk to them about the Great Awakening, which really stirred up so many Americans into fighting for not only their religious beliefs, but the fact that if you have so much control over your your destiny and understanding the Bible— Don't shouldn't you also have the same kind of control over your elected officials? And, you know, the reality is, is the left wants to rewrite our history. They want to strip any kind of faith out of our schools. They are assaulting every aspect of our society. They want to break down the family and they they want to continue this frontal attack on Christianity. And the reality is, is it is a historical document. The founders were clear that faith was integral into the success of the country. And they need to understand that because, again, if we're going to keep having America be the greatest country in the history of the world, if we're going to get back on the right track and ensure that this ideology, because we've got to get this radical left wing ideology out of our schools. But then the other thing we have to do is ensure that we have the proper academics and understanding of our history and what created America to be so exceptional into our schools. So that our young people can not only continue America being the great country it is, but also learn those individual examples that come from understanding our history of, you know, how to make the right choices so that you can live a better life.
1: There's so many phrases that are in society today and in, and in literature, quite frankly, English literature is filled with references to scripture that you're, 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 you're clueless about unless, again, you have some... Uh, understanding of, uh, of of Biblical uh, content.
4: You know, yeah, great, great point. You know, you even look at things like the Ten Commandments. The basis of so much of our laws in Western civilization come from that understanding of the Ten Commandments, under uh, come from these Biblical principles. You look at things that we talk about just in character development, like the Golden Rule. Well, the Golden Rule came from Scripture. And, and you know, you you start thinking about this, and what the left wants is they want to deny there's any kind of truth, there's any kind of, of, of understanding of what truth can be. You can never understand it. The only truth that they want to push is ideology that is that is tied to just secularism. And so what I've said is you know we do have a state religion. it's called atheism. That is what the schools are forcing to say that you can't say a prayer, you can't mention the Bible, We're going to literally take out of, of our schools references to God. Um, and then by the way, we're going to promote porno- pornography in our schools, books like Flamer, books like Gender Queer that the teachers union just said last week, they want all their teachers to recommend. Um, So we are promoting atheism by allowing schools to push out faith, push out any references to God. In Oklahoma, we are not going to allow that. We are gonna teach history the way that it was. Our kids are gonna understand the role that faith played in this country's history. We're also gonna continue to protect, we have a minute of silence here in Oklahoma and every school is gonna tell their kids in that minute of silence, You can pray, you can choose to sit silently, you can meditate, but our kids need to understand we protect that minute because faith is important to Oklahomans, to Americans. And if you want to exercise your religious beliefs, that is why we protect that minute so that you can do that because it is very important in our country's history and it's very important in our country today.
1: Superintendent, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to one of the critics, uh, one that I'm very familiar with, Annie Laurie Gaylor, who is the co-president of the Freedom From Religion Foundation. She says, quote, this is all about dumbing down our nation, discouraging children from free access to information, much less reading.
4: You know, that's really rich. Um, you know, so here's the thing that the left does uh, you know, so well is, as a matter of fact, they're the ones that continue to lower the academic standards on our kids. They continue to tell, make excuses for kids, tell kids they're victims. And when you do that with kids, guess what? They will rise to the level of expectations you put on them. So instead of holding academics high, expectations high, the left continues to lower them. And let me give you an example of how that plays out in a, a, our history. Instead of having kids read the primary sources, reading the Federalist Papers, reading the Constitution, you know what leftists have been able to push into our K-12 schools? Well, we're going to have you read what this 1960s professor said about uh, the amendment, said about uh, the Constitution. Well, no, this comes from a fundamental um, belief that, you know, first of all, we don't think kids can understand those primary sources. They absolutely can I would go over the Federalist Papers with my kids. We'd spend an hour in just dissecting one of the Federalist Papers to go into the understanding, Federalist 51, understanding where the founders were coming from and their explanation of these great documents. And what we've seen is the left dumbing down academics. And then that's how they're able to push this ideology in, is because instead of allowing kids to actually read these primary sources and understand them, they take it through the lens of a leftist professor.
1: Um, Superintendent Walters, you and I are going to have to have a much longer conversation, but we can't do it today. Uh, What a breath of fresh air. Thanks so much for joining us, and, uh, and keep fighting the good fight.
4: Yes, sir. Thank you so much for your work, and thank you for having me on.
1: All right. Well, folks, stay tuned for more from Capitol Hill when Washington Watch
6: returns after this. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion.
2: Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview.
1: Washington watch good to have you with us again the website Tony Perkins.com. all right uh, I'm gonna have some action items for you a little bit later so stick around for that as it pertains to uh, education and those who are standing up to protect children and parental rights so uh, don't go away according to government whistleblowers the record number of migrant children crossing into the United States without parents has led to an underground economy thriving on the exploitation of these children with thousands thousands forced to work punishing jobs at factories and construction sites Now, earlier today the house energy and commerce committees subcommittee on oversight and investigations heard testimony from department of health and human services secretary javier becerra and questioned how federal systems meant to protect children have failed them so badly joining me now to discuss this is congresswoman Diana Harshberger. She serves on the House Committee on Energy and Commerce and represents the 1st Congressional District of Tennessee. Congresswoman, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks for joining us.
7: Thank you, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: So tell us about the whistleblower reports and the reporting on the exploitation of children that led to today's hearings.
7: Well, there's a number of children that they cannot Get in touch with. You've got 85,000 unaccompanied children that they have lost track of, and a third of those were immediately they lost. And what we're finding out are the whistleblowers coming forward saying, "Hey, these kids are working 12, 14 hours in factories, or you know, in meat processing plants. They're exposed to chemicals. You know, these are because they have been given to sponsors that have probably not been vetted at all." And it's an atrocity to think that these precious children are paying off a debt that they owe to the cartels and HHS is just taking an approach. It's, uh, you know, the ORR office under HHS, it is ridiculous that they do not know where these children are. They have lost track of them and they're not even vetting the sponsors because there are categories of sponsors. And what I found out today is some of these sponsors may have up to 40 children which is unacceptable. And for our government to be doing that is, uh, it's atrocious, that's all I can say. So,
1: so Congresswoman Harshberger, I I wanna be very clear, we're talking about children who are coming into the United States and are being exploited, working dangerous jobs. As you said, some sponsors have 40 children. This sounds like a workforce that we're facilitating with minors. I mean, we're told that th- we were told that this was the compassionate thing to do—to let these children into the country. They're being exploited.
7: They are. They're making money off of these unaccompanied children. God only knows what they go through and where they're at. Sometimes they're lied to, and they're like, "Well, we'll let you go to school." The sponsors tell them this. We'll, we'll make sure you go to school. You'll be fed. You, you know, you'll have a good life. Well, after they work twelve hours a day, and God only knows what they're exposed to. You know this is this is unacceptable for our government. Like you said, they bring them over. They they say this is the compassionate thing to do. Get them out of the situation that they're in in the country that they're coming from, and we're not. We are uh, probably the United States. And I will tell you this: this administration is the biggest trafficker, human trafficker. In the world, basically. And this is this just unacceptable. I, there's not words that I have for Secretary Becerra today. He could not and would not answer my questions.
1: How many children are we talking about?
7: Well, like I say, you, you know, you're getting maybe one hundred and twenty thousand, uh, you know, coming through. We can't find eighty five thousand as of now. We can't even get true numbers from them. You know, if you've got six million people, they say that have come across this uh, border illegally, how many of them are uh, unaccompanied children? I don't even know if we have true stats. They're not even keeping track of some of this. You know, we don't even know if they're vetting the sponsors to see if doing background checks. He would not admit to uh, doing background checks on 100% of these sponsors, whether they have someone in the household that has maybe uh, a a child abuse record, we we have no idea. So we're looking at hundreds of thousands of kids that we can't find. Uh,
1: One thing they seem to be able to get right on almost every policy is their LGBTQ initiatives. And I wanna play a clip from today's hearing where Dan Crenshaw was asking a question of Secretary Becerra, clip seven, please.
2: There's a 17 year old boy,
4: tells you all that he's a girl, does he automatically just get placed into the girls, the women's facilities? Is that, is that how that process works? Congressman,
1: thanks for the question. Uh, at HHS, we have a legal obligation, a moral obligation as well, to safely and humanely care for all the- uh, is, is that how the process works? And so we are, uh, make sure that we provide all the children in our care uh, with the human rights protections and freedom from discrimination and abuse that they're entitled to. Right,
0: so it is how that works. It shouldn't work that way.
1: Moral obligation that's hogwash.
7: Yeah, I had a few other words besides hogwash. I didn't say on my thought though, because you know who, who's here to protect these children? You know, if they're going to be here sent by their self, you know, to be put in enslaved, enslaved is what it is. Um, you know, and we don't even know if uh. You know where they're working it, and are they holding these factories accountable if they find out that they are working these underage children you know there, there's a lot of questions that are unanswered and you know tomorrow he's going to be at my doctor's caucus uh meeting and so i'll get to ask more questions hopefully about what's going on he'll remember me i hope tony uh, when i see him tomorrow
1: i think he will congresswoman Diana Harshberger, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today, and thank you for fighting for the kids.
7: Oh, we'll continue to do that, and it's my pleasure.
1: All right. All right, folks, uh, don't go away. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk more from Capitol Hill as Arizona Congressman Eli Crane joins me to discuss uh, the border as well as India and the increasing attack on Christians. That's next.
2: Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Prayvote Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to prayvotestand.org. Again, that's prayvotestand.org.
1: Thanks for joining us for this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. Uh, A lot happening. All right. uh, I I mentioned this earlier, but I guess it was yesterday we had um, a member of the, actually the president of the Chino Valley School Board, Sonia Shaw, on the program, and she was discussing, maybe it was Monday, she was discussing, no, it was Tuesday, I'll get my day straight. Anyway, she was discussing the death threats that she has received as a result of the board taking the position of protecting children and parental rights by requiring schools to inform parents if a child decides they want to identify as a different gender. They use a different pronoun, they start using the restroom that's not in alignment with their biological sex, the parents have to be notified. Common sense, right? Not in California. So uh, the, the governors come after them, and as a result of the governor coming after them, well, that has uh, given a green light to every crazy out there, the Antifa types, and so threatening to kill them and, and you know, the, the usual stuff from the left. So she, she was on the program, and she said, you know, pray for us. We're, we're going to stand our ground. And so what I'd like you to do, those of you who heard the interview, if not, you can go to TonyPerkins.com and watch it, but what we're seeing in education, we just heard from the superintendent of Oklahoma. We heard we heard Monday from the superintendent of Virginia. Look, elections are making a difference at the state level and men and women of conservative Christian conviction are stepping forward. We need to stand with them. So if you'd like to send a note thanking the school board there in Chino Hills, California, for their stand and let them know that you're praying for them simply text the word courage to six seven seven four two that's the word courage to six seven seven four two you'll get a link you can sign it and we're going to send that to them again courage to six seven seven four two okay as i was discussing earlier in the program the department of homeland security secretary alejandra mayorkas appeared on Capitol. Hill today, answering questions on the Biden administration's handling or lack of handling of the southern border, which is nothing more than a chaotic situation right now. Also today, the House Homeland Security Committee held a hearing to discuss how the Biden administration's mismanagement of the southern border has emboldened the Mexican crime cartels on both sides of the border. Well, joining me now to share his reaction to today's hearing and more is Congressman Eli Crane. He serves on the House Homeland Security Committee, the House Veterans Affairs Committee, and the House Committee on Small Business. Eli is a veteran of the United States Navy, where he served as a Navy SEAL. He now represents the 1st Congressional District of Arizona. Congressman Crane, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Hey, thanks for having me on, Tony. I appreciate it. So let me just uh, jump right into the hearing today. What stood out the most to you from the House Homeland Security Committee hearing today?
3: You know, um, it was a pretty bizarre hearing, Tony. It's really hard to continually watch uh, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, gaslight and misdirect um, witnesses in the chamber and even the American people. Um, Instead of focusing on you know, the fact that our current commander in chief during his uh, campaign told the American people and, quite frankly, the world that if you feel oppressed, you should come here and that anybody seeking asylum, you know, will have the chance to be ha- have the chance to be heard. Um, we all knew at the time what this was going to lead to. We knew it was going to lead to basically opening the floodgates and anybody who wanted to come to the United States, um, you know, would, would be coming here and it would completely overwhelm an already taxed uh, border security system. And so once again, we sat there in the hearing. Uh, we had a chance, you know, we had three witnesses. One of them was a beautiful mother from Texas who had lost her um, her mother and her child who were traveling and uh, in their vehicle and they were hit by uh, an individual who was fleeing from law enforcement. I think he was doing over 100 miles per hour and, all the while streaming it on Facebook Live, and I think he had 11 uh, illegal uh, illegals in his uh, vehicle. And so these are the types of things that we see every day, um, you know. And we're really pushing to go back towards uh, border security policies that we saw um, under the Trump administration that drastically reduced the amount of crime um and and the quite frankly the folks that were um you know coming trying to come into our country illegally
1: let's talk about something that you're very familiar with and that is those who come into this country to do harm to this country Uh, those who are on the terror watch list uh your time in the navy you went to other countries to help eliminate that threat well now we've got an open border and that was part of the conversation today, was talking about how the mishandling of the border is making America more vulnerable because of those who are slipping across. Talk about that.
3: No, it most certainly is, Tony. And I think it's obvious to the American people. Um, they know exactly what's going on. They, they knew when, uh, a, you know, a serious candidate for the United States of America was saying the things that Joe Biden was saying on the campaign trail. And then uh, we, we realized that reality, that pretty horrific reality when he took office and he did, you know, open, basically open the border. He got rid on day one of many policies that were keeping Americans and our communities safe. And now the, the saddest thing about it is, you know, um, we have, I think, over 70,000 know, people a year, families being destroyed, you know, from fentanyl. We have families who are losing loved ones to ms-13 gang violence you know we have families being torn apart and human beings quite frankly being destroyed because of the sex trafficking uh epidemic that's going on in this country that has recently been thankfully highlighted in culture um with uh the the movie sound of freedom that has come out Um, but it's it's a complete disaster down there and you know it's The sad thing is, Tony, a lot of the the policies that we're working are pretty common sense, but um, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle want to continue to play politics um, and act as if they care about the problem.
1: So so I'm going to ask you to, to explain that a little bit, if you can. These are common sense. Policies. I mean there's nothing difficult about this. You have a country, you have borders, you protect it because you want to protect the people on the inside and you have a humanitarian way of allowing people to come into the country. Why is the president and the secretary and the Democrats so resistant to work with Republicans to establish these common sense policies?
3: Well, you know, Tony, I can't really nail down exactly. I have some theories. I I think there are a lot of politics involved. I think it's pretty clear that um, the media, the Democrat Party, and quite frankly, a lot of elitists around the world hate, hate Donald Trump and everything that he did, everything that he stood for. And I think that they see the border wall um, as an extension of Donald Trump, and therefore they, they're not even allowed to um, acknowledge that walls and barriers have worked for you know since the beginning of time, whether. It, at military bases, in prisons, around our you know, own personal homes. Uh, but that's one of the things right there that just goes to show you these people aren't serious about protecting the people that we're supposed to be protecting in this government. And they continue to talk about immigration reform. Well, I'm going to tell you this, Tony. We used to have a saying in the SEAL teams. The saying was crawl, walk, run. You never get to run if you don't learn how to walk. And you never get to walk if you don't learn... You know how to crawl and so we base all of our training on you know slowly ramping up the complexities of you know the mission sets that we are forced to do and my my message to the american people is this if you can't get the basics down if you can't crawl if you can't acknowledge that walls and barriers are a part of a security system with overlapping deterrents that you know work in conjunction with each other to protect um, the very people that we're supposed to be protecting in this country, you'll never get to the run phase or the immigration reform that my colleagues seem bent on, you know, focusing on.
1: Right. Uh, Congressman Crane, I want to I switch gears here. This is something you and I have talked about uh, off the air. Um, three years ago, when I was serving as the chairman of the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom for the first time, uh, we recommended that the country of India, which is arguably— in name the largest democracy in the country in the world because of its population it's not a democracy based upon the way it operates but nonetheless it's declared that we uh, recommended it to the Department of State as a country of particular concern meaning that there was egregious ongoing systematic violation of religious freedom in that country uh, I know you share that concern you've uh, you've raised that issue and in, in fact uh, just recently, there has been a video released of the horrific treatment of Christians in the northern part of India and in Manipur, where we saw women uh, sexually abused, men killed uh, by the Hindu majority coming into these villages, burning them and, uh, and destroying them. The Biden administration, and quite frankly, business as well, that sees this as a huge market to go into is turning a blind eye to this.
3: Absolutely, Tony, and to be perfectly honest, this was not an issue that I knew much about until a couple of years ago. My wife, Jen and I, uh, we started. Uh, we met a uh, man of faith from India years ago, and we decided to uh, support his ministry financially, and so we became friends. And over the last couple of years, he had routinely sent us uh, videos um and you know video documentation of some of the religious persecution that was going on in india and i couldn't believe some of the things that i was seeing and you know it, f- it feels like the videos get more frequent um and quite frankly more um disturbing um by the month and so this was something that i knew i couldn't ignore any longer i had to raise uh this concern start raising this concern with authorities especially in the job that i have now and so It wasn't just but last week that myself and representative uh, Anna Paulina Luna from Florida brought in the deputy chief of mission of India into my office to talk about religious persecution. And I can tell you, Tony, that meeting did not go well at all. She completely denied the context and the premise of um, the, the concern that we were raising about religious persecution, said it really, really wasn't a thing. Don't believe everything you read in the headlines or see in social media. And I told her this wasn't from social media. This was from a friend of mine, you know, who uh, is is a man of faith in India and has seen it firsthand. And I just felt like we got nowhere. And I can't help but think, Tony, because she's an ambassador of that country that um, that same attitude probably um, comes from the top. And uh, so myself and uh, Congresswoman Luna are getting ready to send a letter to the president of India Um, you know, discussing uh, our concern. And uh, we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that, you know, people all around the world um, are able to practice their religion, whatever that religion is. And in this case, it happens to be Christians that are being persecuted, which is obviously near and dear to us. But um, the bottom line is for a country that we give so much foreign aid to, we give billions and billions of dollars to India. You know, you would think that um, they would be, you know, treating their citizens with a little bit more respect. And and this is something that we need to shine a light on.
1: Yeah, and because of its population, uh, they have uh, the largest English-speaking population or soon to be uh, in the world. And corporate America is flocking to, to India to make investments. So it's not just the government. I mean, we had uh, President Biden rolled out the red carpet last month for Prime Minister Modi. No discussion uh, that we're aware of, and I know in my last year on the commission uh, with the Biden administration dealing with them, there was no interest in discussing religious freedom in India. And quite frankly, it was a little difficult with the Trump administration, primarily pushed by the business community seeing this is a huge market. So there's responsibility here on on both sides, but human rights and most fundamental among those human rights is religious freedom has to be something that we as Americans respect and protect.
3: Absolutely, Tony. And one of the things that I wanna be clear about and one of the things that I brought up with the deputy chief of mission was this, I realize and acknowledge there are plenty of atrocities that take place in this country, my country, the country I represent, the country I love um and and so i totally understand that things like this happen all over the world my problem was is that there was no acknowledgement whatsoever there was no hey we'll look into this incident and get back to you it was a complete stone wall and that to me was alarming and telling and i know that uh representative uh, luna felt the same exact way and so um we're going to continue to try and shine a light on this um and hopefully the uh christians and quite frankly other religious uh, believers in india you know will see um maybe some of the persecution led up in the future if if we get loud enough about this issue and and show um the government and the leaders within india that this is something that is very important and should be taken very seriously
1: Well, Congressman Crane, I appreciate uh, you putting a spotlight on this and not letting go of it. Um, it, As you said, problems around the world. But if we don't acknowledge them, they never will get any better. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, thank you for your service to our country.
3: Thank you, Mr. Birkins. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Have a great day. Congressman Eli Crane of uh, Arizona Great American. served his country in multiple ways, including as a Navy SEAL, and uh, now as a member of Congress, who is, quite frankly, fearless. And, and I love to see these men and women who are unafraid to stand for truth. By the way, in this conversation about India, some of you may have seen that uh, disturbing video or heard reports of it. We need, it should be a reminder to pray for men and women of faith, Christians, our Christian brothers and sisters around the world that are being persecuted simply because they name the name of Jesus. And so I want to challenge you and, and your church to be praying because the increase, there's an increase in this persecution. And you and I have the ability to advocate for them using our freedom to protect them and speak out for them. All right, we're out of time for today. Thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6. He says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.
0: Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action.